My name is Chris Bear and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis on Saturday at 3. On this episode, myself and the guys will look back at Rangers' last meaningful game of the season, which inevitably ended in a 1-0 defeat to Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi-final at Hamden on Sunday. Joining me, Furis, first of all, is Kenny. Kenny, uh, I would ask you how you're doing, but I think uh, I think I know. But if you want to give the listeners a wee insight into your mood, then be my guest. Disheartened. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe it. But yeah, um, got over the weekend a wee bit. So yeah, hope you're well, Chris. Just scunnered, mate. I think that's I think that's where I'm at. But um, I don't even feel let down because I was let down by this bunch a long, long time ago. So it's yeah. As I said, it's there was a. Bit of a inevitability about it, so um, the 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 probe is uh, right for once, uh, which is I suppose positive for them. Um, and joining Kenny and I as producer Andrew. Andrew, how are you, mate? Well, we said uh, you know when we were previewing this game that we'd take some time if we did unfortunately get beat to reflect and be calm and sensible in our uh, assessment of the game. So I'm not sure that that's actually going to be the case, but nonetheless, I'm here. I'm existing. So um, yeah. Well, Andrew, to be honest, I, I I don't believe that this team deserve a calm and measured approach anyway, because what, whatever the short-term thoughts and feelings were after the game, that will be the long-term feelings after the game, because they're, simply put, not good enough to compete against Celtic. They're not good enough to be wearing our jersey, and overall, they've completely underachieved uh, in their time together as a team. So that's what, four and a half, five years they've been together, uh, two trophies, and I have to say, the first two years, we can turn around and say that's our kind of what we're laying down the foundations. So you can almost give them a pass for that. Third year, uh, obviously we got the 55. Fourth year, like we didn't win the league, but we we had a magical run. This is easily the worst season they've ever produced as a team. Uh, and to be honest, we will we'll come on to certain players. I'm sure we will, but. I'm not going to miss any of them, to be honest. Um, I'm never going to miss this feeling of being let down by this bunch. I'm never going to miss this feeling of, as I say, I think that I think that the word for this pod is inevitability. Prove us wrong for once. Don't prove us right. And they, they, they just couldn't. Um, but look, let's get into the game because I'm sure we'll have uh, emotional discussions about how we feel about this team and these players and obviously the, the ramifications of this season which will be a complete root and branch clear out, uh, not even just on the field the the, the clear out continues uh, uh, and amongst the club, obviously there's another departure today which we will come to as well but look, on the game itself we'll go to the team lineup. Um McGregor, Tav, Goldson, Davis, Barisic Lundstrom, Raskin, Cantwell, Tillman Kent, Morelos, so Goldson Kent and Raskin made it uh the only real uh, debate you could have had was who was going to be the centre-half pairing with Conor Goldson, and that turned out to be Ben Davis. But to be honest, Kenny, I'll come to you. It was a much of a muchness. It was exactly what we predicted, really. Um, obviously, we would have had our own personal preferences. I, I wouldn't have started Lundstrom, but to be honest, again, come on to individual performances. He was actually one of the better performers uh, on Sunday. Um, I certainly wouldn't have started Ben Davis, but again, he never actually done too much uh, too much wrong. But we'll, we'll just not get many options, so it's probably really on paper the strongest possible team that we could put out on the day. It absolutely is. Uh, this team, we've been saying this for a few weeks, Chris, this team's picking itself at the minute because there is literally only 13, 14, 15 players to pick from. The manager has decided 
quite clearly that the rest of them aren't going to cut it. Um, so he's working with what he feels is the best he has. And when I seen the lineup, um, delighted that Goldson was back. Uh, I think we had discussed Ryan Kent in the preview show, and yeah, we'll talk about him later, no doubt. But yep, yeah, the the team picks itself. So yep, yeah, no surprises to be honest. No, uh, any surprises for you, Andrew? No, I mean, for, for me, the team lineup at least was positive. As Kenny says, it's probably the strongest team that we could have put out. Um, I get that there's a debate over Suter and uh, and Davis, but I think Suter's better suited to the right-hand side. So ultimately, it's probably the strongest team that we can put out at the moment. Yeah. But as we'll find out, unfortunately, this even our strongest team at the moment is simply not good enough anymore. Just something interesting you said there, Kenny. Uh, obviously, 13, 14 players as a core. The rest, Michael Beale's made his mind up that just aren't good enough. And if this is the best team that he feels is good enough, then it just shows you the task that he's got ahead of him because um, out of the 11 that started, at least seven aren't good enough. Um, and that's where we're at as a club. And that's with a £50 million transfer window. Uh, just a shit show from really start to finish this season. How we've ended up in this position, I will never... Well, I do know. I do know. But how, how it was allowed to happen... Um, I'm going to come on to obviously Craig Mahon's departure, which uh, coincides with the other departures within the club at executive level, and how the justification for the, the the fans' protests for that is is born out of the decisions that's been made over the last couple of weeks. But it just shows you that I wouldn't even say it's stagnation, Kenny, that is setting. It was complete and utter neglect, and you will not convince me otherwise. Well, it's the Ross Wilson show, isn't it? It's what he's left us with, Chris. Uh, we all knew, we've, we've discussed it in this pod many, many times, but we've known for a long, long time that this team needs, or this squad needs ripped apart. Uh, we knew it at the start of the season. We were all optimistic with some of the signings, like Davies and Tillman and Lawrence. And, you know, there, there was, on paper, there's been some good signings, but no, it hasn't worked. And, we're, uh, we're now in a situation where, uh, and I'll be personal here, I'm not talking for anybody else, I couldn't give two hoots if any of them were here next season, with the exception of Todd Cantwell and Nico Raskin. Got to yeah. be honest, I'm not interested in any of the rest of them. And I genuinely, I am that scunnered with this mob. Um, the de- You know, <laughs> the very definition of madness is, you know, you know the... Aye, you know what I mean here. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Expecting a different result, Chris. And we're not getting it. And that's five times we've played them this season. We've lost four and the other one felt like a defeat. So, yeah, Yeah. we are where we are, I'm afraid. Look, uh, I don't actually... uh, Obviously, I can remember the game, but before I do these shows, I like to look back at the highlights, at least, to see if there's anything I missed. And genuinely... um, Obviously, it's not something I look forward to, especially after the defeat against Celtic. But genuinely, I put the highlights on, and the first thing that happened was the, the Celtic goal. Um, so, really, Andrew, what I'm going to use here is my very limited memory of that first half before it came to the goal. Uh, on reflection, it was a poor half for both sides. Um, you could almost say that we were feeling each other out and, and seeing what the approach of each team was. Uh there wasn't much penetration from either side. No saves of note. Um, so really, up to the Celtic goal, which we've all come to, of course, but um, up to that point, as much as it wasn't a great game, it's 
job almost half done for Rangers if we can get in it no no because it's something they've not we've not been able to achieve this season against Celtic unfortunately and really if we could have got to half time uh, on Sunday at no no regardless of the performance that would have been seen as a positive and we could have took it from there but obviously as we'll come on to we, we obviously never got that but up to the Celtic goal uh, what was your thoughts in the game pretty much the same as me, drab, boring, feeling each other out, waiting for a moment, a, a moment to spark for, for either team. I think the the opening few minutes we looked pretty good. Uh, Raskin's got that opportunity about a minute in, um, which sets the tone for us at least. Um, it's a great shot on goal. It's a it's on target, but a deflection from Carter Vickers takes it away. Uh, Cantwell gets a run around the ten minute mark, but it isn't backed up by anyone. Um, it was one of these ones where uh, Ryan Kent, rather than making himself an option, tucked in behind him. We'll get we'll get to Kent, obviously, but that that kind of thing was indicative of how we were playing. Um, it's worth noting as well that you know most of this first half was played under cloud cover as well because the uh, pyro seemed to just obscure the entire pitch, and it took a while to clear. But after that kind of opening ten minute flurry. We just were not doing anything really to penetrate. And in fairness, Celtic weren't doing a massive amount either. You know, both teams had half chances, but it was very much a feeling out process. And so, at least for me at that point, you're you're still optimistic because, hey, we're still in the game and we've not given away a stupid goal yet. So, so things are looking good from that perspective. But yeah, as I'm sure we'll come on to, uh, it wasn't to, to, wasn't to last. Kenny, it's quite a start, isn't it? I don't think I've ever, I can ever remember uh, a sequence or a uh, a pattern as, as such where every single game this season against Celtic we've been trailing at half time. It really is a damning start, and even at our worst, you know, the, the thirteen games without a win against them uh, when we came back into the league, we actually managed to go in at half time at least drawn with them. And and this, I can, honestly, correct me if I'm wrong, Kenny, or even any listeners or Andrew, but, but I genuinely, genuinely cannot remember a time we have played Celtic and every game we've played them in the season, we've went behind at half-time. I can't remember it. No, I don't remember that either. Another stat I, I read the other day there was that that's seven games in a row against them that we've lost the first goal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, actually. It's a game of football we're playing. Um, I don't know. Uh, look... It's just it, it just kind of sums us up, doesn't it? That we have done okay in that half. As I, I tend to agree with Andrew, I thought the first fifteen minutes we were the better side. I thought the the next ten minutes they started playing their way into it, and then the last twenty they were the better side. Um, and yeah, there's just a feeling of inevitability about losing a goal to them. Um, that listen, we've got a game against them. What is it? 10 days time or whatever it is yeah. get get that out of the way um, and just <laughs> reboot and get on for next season we'll we'll all feel much much better come the summer but yeah it, this is uh, it's it's just sitting and watching the same movie over and over again Chris I don't really know what else I can say about it there was just that feeling that um, it was coming for me again and on the last review pod against them I said the same again. There's just a feeling about when we're playing them that if we don't capitalise, they will, and they do. And that's what's happening in these games at the minute, and it has to stop, and it has to stop 
right away. Well, on the 42nd minute, Celtic had a free kick and they took it quickly and Ryan Kent had switched off. And Matt O'Reilly drove at the Rangers' uh, back line and he was tracked by Nico Raskin, who brought him down. And there was appeals for a Celtic free kick. And uh, this is, I'm now going to list the fuck-ups. So Nico Raskin appealed it, he never touched him. And he stopped as he was appealing to put his hands up. John Lundstrom had stopped, who was just outside the box with his hands up. Ryan Kent, who was just behind the incident, had stopped. And Borna Barisic had stopped as well. So we had four players stopped. Now, people, some people have said that Ben Davis was also one of the culprits who had stopped playing. I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt here because I think he's trying to keep his hold his position. Um, whereas if the game, if, if, the, if these players who had stopped actually played to the whistle, and went out to the ball, Ben Davis was going to be in that position anyway. Um, so I don't blame Ben Davis at all. So I exonerate any blame on him. Uh, so for me, the four culprits are Raskin, Lundstrom, Kent and Barisic for stopping. So uh, if I go through them individually, Raskin, I have absolutely no idea why he has stopped. Now, I mentioned something about Nico Raskin. I'm not going to be too harsh on the boy. I think he's been OK. Uh, since he's come in, I don't buy into the, the overhype. I think we want him to be something he possibly isn't. Uh, but he still is a good player and he will be retained going forward, which I'm I'm happy about. Uh, however, I mentioned something last week about mentality. Nico Raskin's mentality is possibly being influenced by the losers around him. If that isn't the case here, then I'm worried. Because if this is a thing that Nico Raskin would do naturally, stop after he's given a foul, um, I'm worried about that. <clears throat> So, again, I'm going to put that down to that's his teammates. It's um, learned behaviour and that needs to be kicked out of him straight away because he will not survive with this football club if he goes on to make mistakes like that. So that's the first mistake. Lundstrom standing kind of outside the box watching it. He has an opportunity to run to the ball um, and he would have got there. Uh, there was a half-hearted jog if that. Kent, I have absolutely no idea what Ryan Kent is doing. He's behind Matt O'Reilly, so that means the ball's in front of him, and he doesn't do anything. Uh, Borna Barisic, for me, is the worst. Dyson Maeda is probably a couple of yards behind Borna Barisic, and he gets to the ball before Borna Barisic because Barisic is standing there, not doing anything, standing there, caught flat-footed again, sleeping, and Dyson Maeda nips in. But Barisic has still got an opportunity here to actually redeem himself because Maeda has to get the cross in. Um, he follows Maeda behind Maeda. He doesn't try to narrow the angle. At this point, he's behind Maeda, who floats. Not a great ball in, by the way, but it was a decent enough ball. And the final fuck-up is Tav, uh, James Tavernier, loses Jota at the back post. And I've watched it over and over again. Tav sees Jota making the run. It doesn't go with him. He holds his line. And he has absolutely no idea where Jota is in the end up and where Jota is is in front of Alan McGregor to head the ball in. So what's that? Five players all told, Raskin, Lundstrom, Kent, Barisic and Tav. Um, Raskin stopping, Lundstrom stopping, Kent stopping, Barisic just asleep, absolutely unaware of my either. Barisic preventing the ball being crossed and then Cherry on top of the cake. Tavernier loses Jota um, at the back post. An all familiar story. Uh, Rangers shoot themselves in the foot in this fixture again. And you know what? We've conceded some really, really bad goals against Celtic this season. Uh, really, really, like probably 
some of the worst goals I've ever, ever seen conceded against us. Again, I'll go back to the Pedro years, the Murty years, yeah, the Warburton years. Some of the goals we conceded against Celtic was just good play by Celtic. Sometimes it was a good long-range effort as well. Uh, I can't remember many goals we actually gifted to them. I really, really can't. And this season, there's about five or six. You know, you think of the, the quick free kick at Parkhead in the 4-0 game. Uh, sorry, quick throw-in. Um, Tav sleeping. Ball goes in, Abada at the back post where Borna Barish is sleeping. Kent sleeping for the quick free kick in the 4-0 game as well. Before you know it, Jota's put the ball in the net. John, McGlo- John McLaughlin, sorry, in the 4-0 game, passes the ball to David Turnbull for a tap-in. You look at the the 2-2 game, we play the ball in the middle. Dyson Maeda bullies James Tavernier to make it 1-0. Uh, they then get a very late equaliser where we had about three opportunities to clear the ball and, and Kyogo gets the very late equaliser in the 2-2 game. The 3-2 game, my word, uh, ben Davis mistake and the John Sutter mistake, and yet Andrew, I'll come to you first. This for me is this for this for me was the worst. Absolutely, it may not be the. You, you could argue John McLaughlin passing the ball, literally passing the ball to David Turnbull for a tapping. You could argue that's the worst, but for me, this is the worst because we've no learned a lesson. It's 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 a fundamental it's a fundamental um, lesson that has to be learned that they just haven't done, and that's why I'd class this as the worst. I think the issue is that a lot of those previous goals that you've talked about there are individual errors. So you can write them off quite easily and say, oh, it's just that guy fucking up. So if we change him, then we'll be fine. But as you say, this one, five different players come together. So half the team come together to completely fuck this up and gift the goal to Celtic. You you cannot operate on that basis at all. And uh, as we've both, uh, we've all alluded to, you know, we're, we're seeing the same story over and over again. Just giving them a goal every game, how how are you ever going to make headway? Um, there's another wrinkle to throw in here as well. Just before this, uh, Malik Tillman pulls up, um, injured, gets replaced by Arfield. I'm, I'm only mentioning it as, as keeping the match continuity going. I don't think Tillman had his best game, but Arfield didn't do a massive amount different either. With Tillman, we're seeing someone hopefully at the start of his Rangers career and with Arfield someone at the end of his Rangers career and unfortunately both of them are kind of the same level in terms of what they're delivering for us but the goals are collective fuck up here uh just everyone comes together to completely screw this one up and it's it's what we've done all season we've gifted goals and then been surprised about um you play to the whistle every time I don't think we're surprised anymore I think everyone's seen no but that's the point. You're meant to play to the whistle every time. And there, there's multiple occasions now where we haven't done that and it's cost us dearly. So very disappointing to see because it means that either some of these players are are not taking in the lessons, they're refusing to take in the lessons because I am sure that's something that Michael Beale has been pointing out to them. Or they're at the point where they don't care anymore. And for for me, that's the point where you give up patience with them and say, cheers, thanks for the memories, please go away now. Kenny, um, to Andrew's point, almost half the team were involved in fucking up this goal. If either Raskin, Lundstrom, Kent, Barisic or Tav does their job, it's not a goal. The fact that five of them fail to do a, a fundamental, uh, basic footballing defensive decision, because we're not asking them to, we're really not even asking them to track a man, we're not, well maybe Tav will ask them to do that, but in terms of the other four, we're not asking them to track a man, we're not asking them to run a mile, we're not asking them to you know, absolutely leave everything there. We're asking them to play to the whistle and clear a ball. And for me, the fact that if one of the five 
do the basics, it's not a goal. So for me, it's harder to give Celtic this goal than it would have been to defend it. Of course. Listen, what I would what I would say about this, right, is Raskin stops, raises his hands. That's a surefire sign that Raskin knows it's a free kick, right? He knows he's committed a foul because he does that I'm innocent kind of stance. Uh, that's why he stopped. That You know, you get taught at six, seven years of age to play to the whistle. You know, it's a ridiculous thing. And the... The major responsibility for clearing that ball is Nico Raskins. But when he doesn't do it, Borna Barisic is awful. Ben Davies, you can, there's actually footage of Ben Davies screaming and pointing at Borna Barisic to go to the ball. And he still doesn't go. Uh, Lundstrom, I think, is slightly too far away. Kent should be going as well. The, it all points to a lack of responsibility there, right? But I'll tell you something else. I, I have looked at this goal more than I wanted to. And James Tavernier is actually pointing at Jota. Yep. Two seconds before the goal. And not only that, the more and more I look at it, I've looked at it from that side-on angle. And somebody, again, we shouldn't be surprised, but Alan McGregor should be coming out and cleaning everything out. The boy yep. Jota scores from five yards, Chris. And it's a loopy, shitty cross that nobody, you know, that Tavernier's just switched off completely. And again, you know my feelings on James Tavernier, but I have watched this guy do this once too often. And, you know, in these games, I am just sick and tired of looking at at this because it's, it's actually bordering on criminal how bad a goal that is to lose. I can honestly tell you, you know, I only ever played at a half-decent amateur level and was playing six-a-sides till I was in my 40s. And I'm telling you right now, even in my six-a-sides game, you'd get fucking bollocked for that, man. You would. It would it's disgraceful. And it just, to, to be honest, it just it sums up this team in one word or one sentence or one phrase, whatever way you want to put it, a lack of responsibility. There's no leaders in that team, Chris. There's none. And as you pointed out there with the boy Nico Raskin, uh, you better learn quickly, kid, because get these um, uh, shirkers out of his way and get a new team in there because that, that, I tend to agree with you, that's one of the worst goals I've ever seen. I'm 53, as you know, and that's one of the worst old firm games uh, goals that we've ever conceded that I can remember. It, it's appalling. Absolutely appalling. Just on the two points that you mentioned there, the first one uh, about Alan McGregor, like, I don't completely exonerate Alan McGregor. What I will say about Alan McGregor for this goal is why should we expect him to do something he just has stopped doing altogether? I, I completely agree with you, Kenny. He should have came for it. But we, it's at the stage now we know he's not going to do it. Even if the ball's next to him, we know he's not going to do it. So, yeah. He's wasting our time talking about it, if you know what I mean, because he absolutely should be coming out for that, but it's just not what he does. So it's kind of like I'm trying to think of another analogy. Um, it's like expecting Ben Davis to win all his headers. You know he's not going to do it. So why would yeah. we? Why would we overanalyze it? It's but I he's, completely I completely agree with you. He's not at fault, but he is culpable. Yeah. Uh, if you know what I mean, no, but no, it's no. not his fault. No, um, I, get I, mean. I get what you mean. He should have came for it, but. It's just not who he is. Uh, so 
what's the point wasting 10, 5, 10 minutes talking about something that Alan McGregor should have done, which we know he's never going to do. He's 41. He's not going to be here next year. Um, the biggest worry is Raskin, Lundstrom, uh, Barisic and Tav. They've all still got a year, two, three years left. They potentially could be part of the team going forward. So they they are a conversation that's worthy, ha- uh, worthy to have. Obviously, Ken, he's away. Uh, we will come on to Ken. The one thing I want to say about Tav that you, you brought in just before I bring uh, Andrew back in, I, I completely um, agree with you. I've seen the exact same thing as you. Tav, they, I've never seen this before in, in my life watching football. The defender knows where the man is, and then within the split second, the, the defender's not got a clue where the man is. How How is that even possible? Because Tav completely and utterly lost him. And at the beginning of the move, he tracked him all the way. He knew where he was. So how can you go from knowing where he is to losing him in the space? It literally is in in the space of a split second. I do not understand that. Look, I'm going to say something before I, you know you put bring Andrew back. One thing I will say here is I played fullback. You know when I played football, when I played elevens, and he just ball watches. He utterly switches off and he's watching the ball. Now any fullback worth his salt will tell you there is no point in him watching that ball whatsoever. He should be faced. He shouldn't be facing his own goal for a start. Should be right? He should be looking at Jota and nothing else. Yeah. That's where he should be. With the, the, the you know, the, looking at the ball with the corner of your eye, if you know what I mean. He should be facing forward. He's facing his own goal. It's pathetic. Honestly, it's absolutely pathetic, Chris. And I'm going to put myself on mute because I'm now getting angry about it. <laughs> Andrew, do you want to come in? Well, my old man pointed out to me at the game that Peter McCloy definitely would have saved that one. So um, so there's that. But look, we've we've known McGregor's been done for a season now. I think when he came on at the last Scottish Cup final, we hoped that that was just a swan song and he was saying goodbye. And I think, to be honest, he may well look back at this season and think, yeah, that probably would have been a good idea, actually. So McGregor's had his fair share of blame for how this season's gone. I don't hold him accountable for this one it's just he's got the misfortune of being on the end of a series of bad decisions by as i said half the team ahead of him so what can he do um he is only one guy and he's one guy who is unfortunately no longer playing at his potential so i think think yeah point though um i think a half competent goalkeeper comes and collects up and the game remains Mm -hmm. um because at the end of the day, look, I, I, as I said, I don't want to turn this into a, a discussion about Alan McGregor. Hopefully, we, we don't need to discuss him uh, going forward unless we're talking about his actual legacy, which is something I can discuss all day. But in current form, um, your goalkeeper is your last line of defence. If, if your defence fuck up, if your defence put you in a position, that's when the goalkeeper earns his crust. That's when the goalkeeper bails out his defence. Andy Gordon comes and collects that. Even Stefan Kloss, a guy who isn't known for coming for balls either, he would have came... And do you know what? I actually know for a fact what Klaus would have done. Klaus would have punched that. Um, and in actual fact, the guy up the opposite end of the field who isn't he anywhere near the, the level he used to be 10 years ago, that's exactly what Joe Hart would have done because he'd done that in this match. The ball came in and he's six yard box. What does he do? He comes out, he punches it. I think it was a corner. McGregor just wouldn't do that. Um, so K- Kenny is right for bringing it up, but I'm, I'm not going to... As I say, I'm not going to even put the blame on him because we know we know where we are with McGregor now, unfortunately, and that's just still far a time that's come up and uh, bit him in the arse. It comes to his all. My point about this is that there's there's seven points of failure mm-hmm. in the space of three or four seconds. Aye. That's how bad it is. 
you know. can you can actually see failings everywhere. Yeah. And it, it's appalling. It is genuinely absolutely shocking. But as I say, I, th- I just wanted to say it's not McGregor's fault, but a proper keeper is cleaning everything out there. They really are. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Something happened towards the end of the first half that I do want to uh, bring up, um, because I believe this just absolutely epitomises who we are as a club at, at the present moment. Bomber uh, Barisic had, had the ball in the box. He looks to take it around Greg Taylor. He goes down. Was it a dive? I don't know, but there wasn't contact, right? So it's not a penalty. It's absolutely not a penalty. Barisic appeals for the penalty. And, th- and this is when I knew the game was over. I genuinely knew at this point the game was over. Greg Taylor drags Bonner Bar- Barisic up off his feet by the shot collar. Barisic allows him to do that and not one of his teammates even tries to intervene. Um, and this is Bonner Barisic who at his press conference on Friday said that a few things have been said to him said to him, and a few things have happened to him on the pitch but it would be a different story on the streets. Um, again, that word, epitomise. This Rangers team love to talk but when it comes to actually showing what they should have done. Uh, quite a strong word here, but I don't care. Cowards. To allow someone like Greg Taylor to do that to you, and he did allow uh, I knew the game was gone at that point. They, they just had no fight in them. One player had fight in them. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it, Todd Cantwell. And I'm sure if Todd Cantwell actually spotted that, he would have been over there. But for, for Borna Barisic not to even <laughs> stand up for himself... The game was gone, um, and that, that that was it for me. And I know we still had 45 minutes to go, but how can you rely on these players that are just soft, cowardly, weak, and scared? Because that's what they are. Um, Kenny, did you uh, did you do you remember this incident? Do you do you have a comment to make on it? Yeah, it's, it's it surprised me actually that Borna did allow that. There was another incident as well before that where uh, Todd Cantwell can't remember who it was that chopped him down, but it was it was worthy of a booking. Okay. Um, and cut a long story short, Cantwell was getting treatment, and who's who meanders over and is shouting and bawling into Todd Cantwell's face, but Callum McGregor. How many Rangers players are there? Fucking none of them. Yeah, they're allowing it to happen, Chris. Now, I, listen, I can only talk for me personally, but see when I played football, see if see if I seen a teammate getting that when he's just been rattled from the back. Right, and he's injured. You know, he you could tell that Cantwell was in pain. Meanwhile, their captain's over shouting the ball and calling him all sorts, whatever it is he's doing. And not one Rangers teammate goes anywhere near and they allow it to happen. And that is absolutely criminal. See if that's me, I'm walking over to him, I'm taking my two hands, I'm smashing him in the chest, and I'm telling him to get to fuck. It's that simple. Fuck off. Away you go. Well, none of our players do it. We have captains. We have got vice captains. We've got supposed leader of men in John Lundstrom. Behave yourselves. They're a bunch of wasters. Uh, that that was the final. <laughs> I've said this umpteen times this season, but that was the final, 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 final straw. Or th- that's when I knew we weren't winning that game. Believe it or not. Yeah, no, well, as I say, the Barris incident for me, but since we're on Todd Cantwell, I wasn't actually going to bring this up because I don't believe it's really worthy of that much of a discussion, but you sometimes, especially the last couple of days, you some I've sometimes had to remind myself that Rangers actually lost this game because of the narrative around Cantwell. Now, if you, if you missed it, I'll explain. Tillman goes down injured, the Rangers visual comes on, Cantwell has a drink of water, 
uh, Rio Hitati comes over to get a drink of water from the, the Rangers physio bag. Now, listen, the, the welfare of athletes is obviously has to be top priority, so I'm not going to say he shouldn't be drinking our water for fuck's sake. Like, <laughs> to me, it's not a big thing if Rio Hitati drinks our water or not. That's not a big thing at all in the slightest. But Cantwell didn't allow him. He's like, no, no chance. Beat it. Showing complete and utter disdain. Celtic did not like that. The Celtic-minded pundits do not like that. It's all they've spoke about. They're, they're on the brink of a fucking another treble. And that's the story after the game. And that is that is why we have to get recruitment, not just spot on in a technical side, but men- mentality. We need to have players that come into this team who openly hate them because they do not respond kindly to it. And that's after a win that's on... The, the, they effectively sealed the treble on Sunday because they're obviously going to beat Inverness. Um, and yet Todd Cantwell's the, the big bad guy because he, he prevented Rio Hitati from getting a drink of water um, and I'll tell you what I didn't like uh, I, this is a, a quite a controversial soundbite but Cantwell's done that right and it's not bothered me I, I've, I've actually quite enjoyed the disdain it's the fact that fucking Tav and Morelos are straight there giving him a drink as if to say sorry about his actions fucking hell man it's just uh, how soft we've become can you imagine I don't know Ian Ferguson doing that to Paul McStay and then Stuart McCall runs over and Richard Goff runs over and, and they say, no, it's fine, here, take a drink. Like It just wouldn't be tolerated. There'd be a riot in that dressing room. And well, yet, Chris, you got to think about the reason why that bag's on the pitch in the first place because one of our players is getting treatment after exactly. being hacked down by one of them. So there's a context to it, right? If it's a water break and it's you know one of these designated things because global warming's destroying the climate or whatever, that's fine. But in the context of one of our players has just been scythed down by one of your lot, no, fuck off. Go and get your own water. you got a bench there. <laughs> Listen. So, yeah, no, and, and Cantwell, for me, you know, I've spoken before about beautiful Todd. He's clearly going to be my player of the season no matter what happens. But he has developed the correct attitude to them, which is we can be best mates off the pitch. But on the pitch, I'm here to win the fucking game. I don't give a shit about you guys. And more of our players should feel that open contempt for them because especially during that 90 minutes, you want to win the game. And it doesn't matter what little advantages you want to gain by it, even if it's as basic as making them jog an extra 20 yards to go and get some water from their bench. Mm. That should be it. Um, And yeah, the fact that Morales helped him to the uh, bottle of water afterwards. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, a little disappointing. I mean, fuck, I don't want to make a big thing about it. It is what it is, but it it demonstrated the the difference in attitude that some of these players have got. So, yeah. yeah. I'll bet you that the reason Todd Cantwell did that was because of Callum McGregor and the incident I've just talked about, and the the previous already, that they have this real history of sledging opponents. They're shouting and bawling at everybody. They're, They're bigging themselves up. They're demeaning you and all the rest of it and Cantwell's just went well he can do one uh, I'm guaranteeing it that's partly why he's went no if you're going to sit and behave like that when I'm you know I'm getting treatment you're getting nothing off of me which yeah. is exactly the the attitude we need and yeah. that's why we're going to come on to this as you know but that's why we are so annoyed at the minute mm-hmm. yeah second half because underway there's a change at half time Ryan Kent is withdrawn for Fashion Sakala uh, Michael Beale very rarely makes subs at halftime. It's just not in his makeup. Now, uh, I've seen some defence of Ryan Kent saying oh, he was obviously injured or he was obviously not 100% fit. Bollocks, pish, don't care. That was an utter 
disgrace of a performance with Ryan Kent. And Ryan Kent clearly is very fond of Rangers. Let's no, um, let's no change the narrative there. Of course, yes. this is the first time he's ever had a home in football that he's actually been adored and he's actually enjoyed playing football for an extended period of time. Obviously, Rangers are very close to his heart, but he's checked out. So, one of two things. If Ryan Kent's checked out, or if Ryan Kent isn't feeling 100%, he needs to do what's best for the team. And he didn't. He didn't say to Bill that I can't play. He's obviously declared himself fit. And uh, it was an utter disgrace. I remember at one point in the first half, he has the ball 10 yards from his box and he tries to turn Maeda, who takes the ball off him. Luckily enough, the, the ricochet is that strong that it goes back to the Rangers box and McGregor, or I think it might have been Goldson or Davis that picked it up. So there was no danger there. But, but doing that to a guy like Maeda, who will run all day, uh, and who's got the potential to, you know, chase his balls down and, and get some joy for it. Lazy, lackadaisical, not caring, checked out, his mind's and other things. Uh, look, I thought Bill would have got Kent over the line. He might still do. I don't know. Bill needs to sit Ryan Kent down and say, if you're not staying, you're out now. And he should never play for Rangers. That should be his last ever perform uh, uh, game for Rangers. It should be his last ever game. If Kent wants to stay, I'm sure there's enough support within the, the fan base to at least give him this chance, uh, this second chance, get into next season. So if he does want to stay, I don't believe it would be universally as unpopular as what many people are making out to be. But we're all a wee bit irrational after this game. And I know he's had a really poor season, but at the end of the day, if Ryan Kent's fully focused and he's got the desire and the commitment to stay at Rangers, I don't actually think it would be that unpopular a decision. So Michael Beale needs to now need he now needs to be absolutely ruthless. He needs to sit Kent down and say, if you're staying, fucking sign it. If you're going, you're out. And that's it. There's no middle there. There's no oh you're gonna leave at the end of the season, but I'll still play. No, you're out and that's it. Done. Um and that's where I'm at with Ryan Kent. I thought it was a disgrace at the weekend, but I'm still not fully I know this is quite contradictory, but I'm still not fully uh in favour of him leaving. If if he if Kent wants to stay and Kent is focused and Kent gets a pre-season behind him under Michael Beale, I still think there's something there. But if he wants to go, he can go and he goes now. There's none of this playing out to the end of the season. He can fuck off. Andrew? I think for me, we were watching him in that first half. My old man and me went down to London, took in the Bermondsey Beer Killer, Rangers London supporters group. You should obviously check it all out. It's great. Um, but we were watching it and going... He's offering nothing. And not only is he offering nothing, but he's actively hiding while playing. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about it at half time, going, would Ravi Matondo be that much worse? Like genuinely. Because at the start of the season, he came on, played at left left wing, and looked pretty decent. And to be honest, he at least will be playing with a point. He'll be playing as though he wants to prove himself and get himself into the team. Kent needs no education about what this fixture means and what it means to Rangers in general, because this is, this was a last opportunity to pick up any silverware this season. Kent's been around this team long enough to know what that means. He's been around this fan base long enough. If he can't appreciate that or worse, he's lost the ability to motivate himself to perform for these games, then I'm, I'm sorry, Chris, I'll have to disagree. I, I don't want him around the club anymore. Uh, because to be honest, if you want to be ruthless, then you're ruthless in you saying, no, we can do better than you, Ryan. Um, we can get someone better for cheaper because the wages that he'll be after will probably put him up there in terms of the earners at the club. Can we spend that money better elsewhere? 
Almost certainly, especially for someone who at the moment does not look like he wants to be at us anymore. So I, it was uh, 45 minutes for me that completely soured me on Ryan Kent. Um, honestly, like, and he used to be one of my favourite players, but now um, I'm, I'm done with him. I really am. Because it's one thing to be outperformed in one of these games, but at the very least, we always expect the effort, and we weren't even getting that from him. Yeah, can talk like you, Kenny. Look, th- this this was Ryan Kent's last old firm game at Hamden. His last opportunity to win a, a medal with Rangers, whether he stays or not, um, even just for this season, it's that important to us. It should be that important to him, Chris. He is not staying. There is absolutely no chance he's going to stay with a performance like that. Mm. Um, he isn't. He's, he's checked out. But what I will say to you that I do feel is that I've got a funny feeling that Ryan Kent perhaps feels a little bit let down by Rangers in, in, in some kind of way. Why that is, I don't quite know. I don't know uh, the ins and outs of it. But I, I, as far as I'm aware, he's not one of the highest earners at the club. I think he's came in with his agent and asked for it exorbitant amounts of money uh, and been told we're not paying you that, we don't pay anybody that and that's the end of it and I think he's waited all season for Rangers to go, yeah actually you are that important to us, there's your money and we haven't done it and I think that's why he's checked out and I think he's waited and waited and waited in the hope that we would give him what he's looking for Um, listen um, that soured. I, I totally agree with what Andrew's just said there. You know that it soured it a little bit for me. But give me a year or whatever, and I'll look back and Ryan Kent and his time at Rangers, and I'll be uh, I'll think fondly of it because he had some sensational performances for us. Uh, a little bit inconsistent, certainly domestically, but some of his performances of new in Europe have been out, genuinely outstanding. And I said the other week, I think over the the piece over the five years, the seven million pounds, it's probably reasonable value for money. Let's move on, Chris. Don't Mm. even, don't do it to yourself is what I would say. He's away. He's definitely going. I just look at it from the point of view of his relationship with Bill. I I, I think the Morelos decision's now made. I think Morelos is off. Um, We we can't, I'll see it when I believe it. If he goes, am I sad? No. If that's because of, you know, that disgraceful 45 minutes at the weekend there, let's be honest, that very, very subpar season that he's had. And, and, and Kenny, if what you're saying is true, then, you know, I'm the first to criticise Rangers board and the many decisions they make, but that is probably one of the best decisions I've ever made, no giving no into his quite, frankly, ridiculous demands, um, because he's not kicked his ass all season. And if that's him... Being in a half, then yeah. See you later, Ryan. And as I say, I, I, I maintain if he's away, if he's away, and he admits to Michael Beale that he's away, that's his final appearance for Rangers, and I'll be very, very disappointed if if, if Michael Beale uses him again at the end of the season. Uh, between now and the end of the season, I really, really would. It would show a, a, a lack of ruthlessness that is needed. It will show a softness, and it would show sentiment when sentiment isn't deserved this season. Um. The only two guys that deserve any sort of sentiment from the support at the end of the season is Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis. The rest do not deserve a single bit of sentiment. And there will be many who leave and they will not. Kenny, I understand what you're saying and I'm probably going to be the exact same as you. Give me a couple of years and I'll probably be a value. But right now, out with Davis and McGregor, 
none of them get my well wishes at all. No chance. We this is this is the thing that I don't think many of these fan uh, sorry, many of these players understand what the fans actually need to go through when a period like this happens to Rangers. Guys need to go to their work. Guys getting guys and women, sorry, guys and women need to go to their work. They need to go about their life talking to friends in their social settings and their professional settings and we need to get it rubbed on our face every single day and reminded every single day that what they're on the brink of achieving and what they've done to us and how many times they've beat us and stuff like that. And these guys get to go home and, you know, drive their fast cars and their big fancy houses and move on to the next club. Um, so now they can go. And as I say, I, I, I won't even... Uh, I won't even monitor their career afterwards. When they're gone, they're done, from for, for, for my point of view. Um, and they've only got themselves to blame for me coming to that conclusion. Uh, because it's not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to hate a Rangers player. I don't want to not be caring about a Rangers player. But when the Rangers player delivers and stinks up the place as often as they have, especially this season, then I, um, we'll move on and we'll, we'll look to pastures now. And as will they. But uh, that was a, a segue and a half, but it was it was a needed discussion on Ryan Kent. Um, obviously, the second half, again, Sakala had a shot in the 49th minute. Joe Hart saved, but the one talking point that everybody's talking about um, was in the 64th minute. The ball comes to Taff, he takes a shot, it hits the post, it bounces back out to Fashion Sakala, who hits the side netting. On first viewing, I thought... That was probably a wee bit tough um, to try and direct that into the net. And then you see the replay and you're just, oh my, it is Van Vossen-esque. It is ridiculous. It's the second time he's done it now. But if you really want to be ultra critical, which I will be, because as a Rangers striker, you need to be fucking ruthless in these games. Um, This is actually the third time, because I will cast your minds back to Parkhead, where he's played through one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And he hits the post and what's that, the 85th minute or something like that, that, that chance happened. Rangers beat Celtic at Parkhead that day. It goes down to three points with a couple of games left to play. It's the, the, the title's not over at that point. And the lack of cutting edge, the lack of technical ability in that day uh, prevent, uh, prevented Rangers from picking up the three points. But we're riding a cre- uh, wave of a crest, obviously, we went on the Europa League final, so it wasn't really remembered as much. But by fuck, you then take yourself back to the League Cup final. He has an open goal, he hits the side of the net, and then the semi-final on Sunday there, he has an open goal and he hits the side of the net. Now there's a lot of discussion about Fashion Sakala, um, and most of it, people have made their mind up that he now needs to go. Um, I'll obviously come on to how I feel about that in a minute, but obviously I'm interested to hear what you two guys have got to say. So Andrew, how, how, where are you at with this? I mean, it was a, it was an absolute, I don't want to call it. It's a sitter, mate. It's, a, it's an absolute sitter. I think... I was going to it's, call it disgrace, but I think not even that's a wee bit too strong a language. Well, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, it's a fantastic strike from Tav, um, and it's fortunate it comes off the bar, uh, off the post rather. Um, but then to to miss that from what four yards away, mm-hmm. ridiculous. And as you said, it's not the first time that's happened. I rate Fashion Sakala, and I think he would be a fantastic squad option because he is a player who can influence the game off the bench, and he is someone who can make a difference in some of the smaller games. But as a starting player for us, no. And he he wasn't starting for us. He came on, you know, to replace uh, uh, Ryan Kent at half time, which in itself is a reflection of where we are at as a squad. So in a smaller game, Sakala is absolutely an option, but. He has demonstrated, unfortunately, repeatedly now that 
as as someone we want to be changing this game in our favour, he's just not there. What I will say, though, is that at least he was getting himself into those positions and at least he was getting himself those opportunities, which is more than we can say for our actual striker um, on that day, who didn't even do that. Kenny, where are you at with him? I'll get him out. Um, listen, I, I, and this is not this is not me being personal about Fashion Sakala. What I would point to is this is Rangers Football Club we're talking about, okay? And we need two players for every position, and he wouldn't be my second choice for anything. Honestly, not not at number nine, not in the left, not in the right. He, he needs to go, and and part of the reason why he needs to go, and he's a lovely guy, and he, he you know, and you, the period right that as a squad player he might do okay. I've had enough of squad players. I've had enough of this squad in general, this team. Uh, whoever survi- survives this cull uh, come the end of May is going to be a very fortunate guy because. Um, if I'm Michael Beale, I'm looking at that and saying, I've got to... You you imagine being Michael Beale, looking at that and watching that back um, on Sunday night, where that's him now not winning any of his first four old fun games, OK? And he's got to rely on these guys, Chris. Mm. He can't... He, he cannot possibly rely on Fashion Sakala to dig him out a hole. We're in a hole yeah. there. And he, we were one down. He's got an open goal... We're one down in a cup final, a cup semi-final, where our entire season depends on it, and this boy can't even hit the an eight-yard goal, you know, from four yards. He yeah. doesn't even get close to it, by the way. He misses. He actually misses it by about two yards. That's how bad it is. He's not hitting at the you know the the side of the post here. It's miles off target. He can't rely on him, Chris, and I wish him all, as, as I do with a few of them, yeah, I wish him every success in his career, wherever he goes, but he's a sellable asset, move him on. There'll be people interested in him because his numbers are decent, move him on, Chris. That's well, my opinion anyway. That's what I was going to say, uh, obviously, my opinion's pretty similar to Andrew, uh, going forward with Fashion Sakala and the team as a guy who doesn't start Every week probably starts maybe once a month, but predominantly comes off the bench. Still think he's got a role to play. If we heavily rely on Fashion Sakala to come on to change games against Celtic, he's not going to be that player. However, if somebody offers us £3 million, I shake your hand and do the deal. It's as simple as that, because he isn't good enough to be a Rangers first-team starter. He would only be an impact player, which we do need, incidentally. However, his track record is such that I don't think the Rangers... In the minds of most Rangers fans now, this is his legacy. Three sitters. And it's really hard to recover from that. And do I think he will recover from that? No. Will I be angry if he isn't one of the ones who leave? No. Would I understand if we sell him for £3 million? Absolutely. Um, So, listen, the decision is Bills. He's not going to listen to me on a fucking podcast. I'm just giving you my opinion. But um, I understand both sides of it. I completely do. But... It was oh, it was it was a ridiculous miss, and it was so frustrating. Um, and then of course he cuts in a couple of minutes later. He has a shot exit for throw in. That's fashion Sakala. Um, aye, it's frustrating. The game petered out. Um, few substitutions. Uh, Haji came on for Morelos. Matondo came on for Raskin. Yomas came on for Barisic. Just no, just nothing. Just nothing there. You're talking almost ten million quid of talent came off the bench, and it 
it looked like for like. It was the same old story. And this is the thing. If Celtic get those chances that Sakala had, uh, it's a goal. Celtic in both boxes are fundamentally better than Rangers at the moment. You've got Carter Vickers at the back who's just fucking unbeatable, um, who will defend for his life. We don't actually have that. And then in another box, they've got a ruthless wee guy who will hoover up those chances all day long and he doesn't miss those chances that Sakala missed. And that's the difference between the two teams and that's where you need to bridge the gap. We need a top quality defender and we need a top quality ruthless striker. And in between that, the, the, the team needs sprinkled with other wee bits of um, quality as well. Uh, listen, I think we, we will eventually, as the season closes, we will eventually do a deep dive into who we think should stay and go. After the game, obviously, Michael Beale admitted to Stevie from Four Lads that 12 in and 12 out would be a realistic number, which uh, to me surprised me because that is the kind of number that the fans are demanding. But I think we're a wee bit realistic knowing that that probably wouldn't happen. But there's Michael Beale finally, finally admitting that these guys will not keep him in a job. Michael Beals went from three or four or five to now 12. Um, the penny has finally dropped for Michael Beals, and I'm glad it has, because if the penny dropped too little too late, he would have been out of job and he'd be looking for a new manager. And make no mistake about it, by the way, Beal is under pressure. Um, Rangers managers don't survive very long without beating Celtic. And this next Celtic game at Ibrox is massive for Michael Beal. It's no massive for any other reason other than for Michael Beal. If Michael Beale fails to beat Celtic, that will get flung in his face and then get into next season these tricky, tricky early Champions League qualifiers because let's be honest, the first Champions League qualifier we should be winning regardless because it's it's not one of the big kettles. Um, and then obviously when you get to the playoff stage, that's where you sort of are the underdog. If he can navigate through that first qualifier and then if he gets beaten that first whole form of the season, which is usually around about the end of August, start of September, He's got an uphill battle to um, navigate and he needs to get his recruitment absolutely spot on. Um, just before we come to the start of the clear out, because there is some news in that, Andrew, you want to come in? Yeah, I was going to say, in, in terms of that 12 players in, 12 players out thing, I don't think that's necessarily the pennies dropping for Michael Beale. I think it's the first time he's felt comfortable admitting that in public. Because prior to this game, we still had things to fight for. We still had reasons to keep some of these players motivated. Now, there's no reason to keep any of these guys motivated or keep any of these guys on side because realistically, we want to be seeing a good chunk of them leaving, whether it's as a free transfer because it's the end of their contract or because we're going to sell them because we want to get rid of them because we want to finance that clear out. So I think Michael Beal will have a better view internally And I think privately he will have already made his mind up about what players he wants to keep come next season before, um, you know, this match. But now it's the time where he can publicly say at least 12 of these guys probably need to move on because they aren't good enough. And we need better coming in to compete going forward. So it's a a slight difference, Chris. I, 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 I you know, I, I take your point, but I, I think privately he will have known this for a while. Um, it's just now, what what reason does he have to conceal his true feelings from this team anymore? I mean, I mean, realistically, he could lose the next five games and we'd probably be quite upset about that. But fundamentally, it's not going to alter where we sit um, come the end of the season. So uh, th- this is going to be the start of the rebuild. And I fully expect a number of these players not to be featuring for the next five games. Because why would you? you don't, you're not going to learn anything new about these guys. So you may as well give the opportunities to 
other players and see what they can do instead. It's a good point, Andrew. Uh, just before I bring you in, Kenny, I just want to uh, just kind of elaborate a wee bit on that point. Um, I absolutely will be judging Michael Beal on this over the next couple of games. Over the last four or five games of the season, I will be judging who he picks. If I see a checked out Ryan Kent, a checked out Alfredo Morelos, a not good enough Borna Barisic, a fundamentally not good enough uh, John Lundstrom, um, Ben Davis, well, I know Lundstrom and Davis probably will feature, but you kind of get my gist. The players who just fundamentally will not be here next season, if I see them in these starting lineups for the next four or five games, my opinion of Beal is going to go down a wee bit because we don't need them. Second place is secure. Yes, we don't want to lose fucking five games in a row. Of course we don't, but we do not need the players anymore. We need to find out some of the youth players and some of the B-team players. Who's good enough to make the step up? Adam Devine was never classed as good enough to make the step up and he got a run in the team and everybody's now like, hmm, he's quite a good player. In actual fact, I would actually say that Adam Devine has done more for Rangers this season than, than £5 million Red Van Yilmaz. That's where we're at. So let's see these players. Let's get Robin McCrory in goals. Let's get a run out for me, Alex Lowry, Adam Devine, get him in the team. Let's see if Leon King has learnt anything from being... Exodized basically um, because of his absolute horror run, uh, which wasn't his fault. Let's get these boys in and let's see what they're made of. Because, we're, as Andrew said, we're not going to learn anything for Kent Morelos and, and there's like suspected. And by the way, I put Borna Barisic absolutely in the same category as Kent Morelos. Uh, he, he needs to go. He needs to go. We cannot carry him going forward. Um, I've just gave you two options there for left-back. Yilmaz or Devine. Play one of the two. Get get him out of the squad. Um, and I will be judging Beal on that. I, I, fairly or unfairly, if Beal still plays these guys, it, why is he doing it? Why is he doing it? I, I have no idea. We, as a support, we no longer want to see them. We want to see the back of them. And that starts from now. That doesn't start from the season ending. That starts from now. The season has ended. These next four or five games mean absolutely fuck all to us. So give us something to actually be interested in. And the thing that we can be interested in is seeing what we Alex Lowry can do. Giving maybe Zach Lovelace a wee chance, you know. I'm not saying start these boys for the next five matches, but let's see more of them. Uh, let's see if Robbie McCrory can be at least a number two. Um, and and that, that's, that's where I'm at with that, Kenny. Uh, sorry, I had a wee rant there. I know you wanted to come in. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think Andrew's spot on as well. Uh, what I was going to say was, uh, did either of you two watch uh, Michael Beale's RTV uh, interview after the game? That's the angriest I think I've ever seen him. Uh, in all his time at Rangers, he, he, you could tell he had, you know, he has had enough of these this squad of players. Um the only thing I would say about what you've said there, Chris, is he's not going to sit there and throw the entire B team in or an, an entire team full of fringe players. He is going to play four or five of these guys. It's the ones that have let him down, the Morelos, the, the Kents, uh, that that will... That I think everybody, I don't know, I haven't heard any Rangers supporters suggest otherwise they shouldn't play again. They really shouldn't. Those that want out the door, and it's clear, Kamara's another one, don't play them. Uh, and you can tell he's lost patience, and I totally agree with Andrew and what he said there about, you know, the timing of saying 12 instead of 5 or 6 and all the rest of it is purely down to the fact that he can say it now, whereas before he's, he's had to... It manages squad of players. He doesn't need to do that anymore. The, the, the season's over, so that's where he's probably coming from when he says, you know, going to be a dozen. Yeah. 
I, I remember, and I don't know if this is entirely Ross Wilson's fault, but I think Michael Beale is culpable a little bit here. Um, listen, we've been watching this for a long time. We've seen this coming before Beale came in. Um, if Gio retained his job, the same thing would still be required, a clear out. So we knew a lot of people had to leave and that process had to start from the earliest possible opportunity and that was January. And Michael Beale said that basically pretty much early January, nobody's leaving this this window. I'd, in hindsight, that is a fucking stupid, stupid decision. If you're going to have 12 guys leaving minimum, why are you waiting to the summer where you're going to have to basically bed in a whole new squad of players where that process could have been started in the January? So, yeah, Wilson will need to take responsibility for that. Of course he will. Well, he doesn't need to take responsibility for it now with him being no longer at the club. But why build any demand that these guys left in January to start this process at the earliest possible opportunity? I don't know. And it's it's made life a wee bit more difficult for him because if he started to clear, if he started clearing the decks in January, he would have a clearer picture of where he's going to be this summer. But right now he's going to have to fucking juggle getting 12 players in at the same time, having to juggle getting twelve players out, it's. Yeah. I don't understand the f- the logic behind using January as a uh, let's see what they can offer. Um, we know that they, what they can offer isn't good enough. It's below par. So why we retained everyone, I just will never know. I mean, Morelos and Kent are the best examples. Let's just say Burnley came in in January and says, "Here's half a million for Ryan Kent." I mean, why did why would we not have taken that? You know what I mean? Instead, they're leaving for nothing. And I think you said it, Kenny. This is the legacy of Ross Wilson. Well, the, the, the one thing I would say about that instantly when you were saying that it came into my head. Michael Beale also said he wanted four or five in. He only yep. got two. Yeah. So, what's going on behind closed doors there? We we don't know. But I would have thought if he could get the four or five in that you would have found one or two. And I also happen to think that you would have probably wanted um, a, a few of the, the the fringe players that just aren't featuring at all out the door as well. So, I, you know, I, I agree with you, but I do understand where Michael Beale's coming from with that in, in terms of, I need a squad of players that are going, you know, with that many injuries at that time as well, Chris, that's all I would say. Andrew, do you want to come on? Yeah, I think part of this as well is... Michael Beale in January didn't know how bad some of these players had become. Um, you can remember at the start when he first came in, how much he was talking about Glenn Kamara. He really rated him. He wanted to work with him again. He was very excited to be playing with him. Where's Glenn Kamara now? He's barely featured in the squads. Didn't even make himself available as an option, I think, realistically, for, for this game just gone. So I, I think he may have himself underestimated how fundamentally this squad of players was broken and despite all of his posting on instagram and twitter he's not working with these players every day so he's he's acting like the biggest rangers fan in the world but unfortunately we're the ones who are exposed to it game in game out whereas he was like trying to manage qpr at the same time right this is it for me andrew because i I genuinely believe there was a blame culture at ibrox um we've seen them all leave robertson wilson um, Douglas Park uh, to, to an extent I believe and now this is there's no substance to this this is just my opinion Bill comes in and the narrative is you know how good these players are you worked with them before it was all Gio's fault everything will be fine I genuinely believe that I believe that Gio copped it for a lot um, and listen Gio had these flaws of course it does and you know I'll defend Gio but, uh, and of course Gio should have done better but my opinion when Gio was our manager 
it was never the problem is Gio. And you guys will know this. You guys will know that I'm not rewriting history and you guys will know that I'm not using the benefit of hindsight. I was always consistent. The problem fundamentally was not Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. The problem was the players. The problem was Ross Wilson. And the conclusion to this season is Ross Wilson is gone and so are the players. And then we can move forward. And I genuinely, genuinely believe that I'm not saying Michael Beale had the, the wool pulled over his eyes or if he was duped, I'm not saying that at all, but I believe that in his discussions to become Rangers manager, that's exactly what was told, uh, said to him. Gio has broken this squad and we know you can fix it. And of course, Bill's going to believe that because he's worked with him before, but as you said, they were just fundamentally beyond repair. That's the, that's the main issue there, right? So Bill fundamentally is a coach, first and foremost. You know, he's been very used to developing players and bringing them up to speed and helping them get the best out of themselves. And you've said this before, Chris, as well, that, you know, you think part of the reason that, that Bill was brought in was because he is someone who's worked with a lot of these players before and can get the best out of them. And I, I agree with that completely. Um, I think that was absolutely a factor. The problem is that, as we've said, some of these players fundamentally are just not where they were when Michael Beale was working with them anymore. Players like Ken, Morelos, Kamara were keystones of that team that Beal worked with previously. Now they are shadows of themselves and they do not represent anything near the potential. So that's going to be an aspect of it as well, where you've gone from that two, three, four, five players into actually 12 is what's needed. And it's a full on rebuild because this squad doesn't work anymore. The the core of players that, that Beal worked with before, they are just not up to scratch anymore. They do not meet the standards and they need to go. It's as straightforward as that, unfortunately. Well, that process looks to have started. It looks like Scott Wright and John McLaughlin have, in an old-fashioned term, been on, uh, being placed on the transfer list. But uh, in the more modern term, is they've been told to find a new club. Um, either or, it looks like they're off. Uh, right decision for both guys. Kenny, come to you first. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Andrew? Yeah, agree. Uh, Scott Wright's always been a squad player and not even a good one that, you know, offers a lot coming off the bench. He was just a body you could throw on because he'd run about a bit and be confident enough to put the ball into the corner. McLaughlin had his shot at number one under Geo. Uh, you could argue about how well his defence protected him during the course of that. But fundamentally, I think he demonstrated that he just did not have what it took to be Rangers number one. Jury's still well out on Ross McGrory. We don't know, but he's probably a better option to go with our number two right now than McLaughlin. So, yeah, can't disagree with either of those choices. Certainly looks like that is a plan going forward. It looks like it's going to be Jack Butland as number one and Robin McCrory as number two. And I don't hate it. Um, I see that as a very positive sign. Uh, one last wee bit of um, news. Uh, Craig Mohond, the academy director, has left the club. Um, so... If we recap, that's Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, David Graham, Douglas Park, Stuart Robertson, Ross Wilson and Craig Mulholland. That's six um, very, very important members of the Rangers uh, executive team and, of course, the manager that have left. Um, it's effectively everyone is now out. Everyone is now out. That's a manager left, communication director, managing director, director of football, chairman, and now the academy director. Uh, look, there's no doubt about it. There was a culture of backpatting 
yes men and jobs for the boys at Ibrox in the Rangers training centre. Uh, and those days are gone. The fans protested for change. And let's be honest, they were spoke down to. They were treated like shit. They were shafted by the previous board in terms of uh, access was given to the cupboard of the Union Bills and obviously they 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 left the game and the Union Bills obviously said it was because they were going to protest against Ross Wilson whereas the Rangers came out and said no it was because there was going to be an offensive message about the police but that banner's never been shown um, when the banner started at Ibrox security were removing it and that was all with the, the, the say-so of Douglas Park now we have a new chairman now we can see this guy is bringing us in a new direction. This is a ruthless, ruthless individual who I have to say he's very short tenure. And now I know we we are, I can tell you right now, we will be hearing from John Bennett within the next seven to ten days. There will be a chairman's address. Um, and I, for one, can't wait to hear what he's got to say. But actions always speak louder than words. And his actions, and by the way, do not buy this bullshit. This is a very classy way of saying fuck off, you're sacked. Do not buy this bullshit. They're looking to explore other opportunities. There, that that is that's a favour to them because that's basically Rangers saying we're not going to say you've been sacked. We're not going to say that you've not been good enough. We're going to say this, and you can leave at the back door with your reputation intact. Not that you deserve it, but that that is a polite way of saying piss off. Um, so do not buy the narrative that they're waiting to explore other opportunities. This is all John Bennett, and as I say, actions speak louder than words. And Kenny, it's. Uh, what a start. I mean, I wanted and I expected change to happen, but never in my wildest dreams did I expect such radical radical change in such a short space of time. And that's not a negative, by the way, because it was clearly needed because of the culture at Ibrox and the culture at Rangers Training Centre, which, as I alluded to, was one of, yes, sir, please, sir, free bags, full, sir, yes, men, back pattern. Ridiculous, not the Rangers way. Totally agree with you. Every single word of that, you're absolutely right. Um, the only thing I could add to that would be perhaps that I, I would expect one or two others to go as well. There's there's another couple of um, directors still there that, that it genuinely wouldn't surprise me if they were away in the next few weeks as well. Um, it, John Bennett's making his mark right away. And I, again, I, I 100% agree with you when you turn around and say it's, it's a nice way of saying beat it, <laughs> you know, being polite about it is, there you go, you find another opportunity. Um, there has been a, a, a culture um, and a mantra from everybody within that football club to turn around and say, look at us and how good we are. The general believe that's a thing. The general believed they were all amazing and they were all doing a brilliant job and the Rangers fans were ungrateful. Um and meanwhile the, the team across uh, the city is winning trebles. Yeah, exactly. Aye. And so, we're and we're ungrateful. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. And I think um now I've had my say about John Bennett and his interview with R T V last September uh, a couple of times on this on here on this podcast. But I'll tell you what, you get the feeling that that is really really upped, upped that man. It's pissed him off that he's come out and said that, and he said it on the basis of what he's being told from within. Mm. You know, Ross Wilson's telling him that, Doogie Parts telling him this, Geo's telling him that, you know, uh, these directors are saying, but I uh, look, Stuart Robertson saying this and all the rest, and he's looked at that and went, well, they're telling me that, I've turned around and said this, and look, it's me that looks the idiot None of the rest of them, because they're still patting themselves in the back. 
saying what a wonderful job they've done. Meanwhile, we look atrocious all season, you know, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree that, uh, more than with what you've just said there, Chris. You're absolutely bang on. Andrew? I, I don't really have much to add. I agree with what you boys have said. Um, we find ourselves in a shit situation, and unfortunately, it's of the Rangers board own making. So I'm hopeful that we're in a position to dig ourselves out of it. Um, a lot of the offenders who we talked about earlier on have gone, but it remains to be seen. It's potential at the moment. Um, we need to start seeing some progress being delivered. Um, and unfortunately, we're not going to see that until this summer. Yeah. So uh, that obviously concludes it. We will be back next week. Uh, sorry, we will be back this week to preview the Rangers Aberdeen game at Ibrox this Sunday, three o'clock. <clears throat> um, look, as I said, the, the games from now until the end of the season, they, they mean nothing really. Um, but if anything, it gives boys a chance to show us what they can do get into next season. Now, I'm not talking about players we know, I'm talking about players that we don't know. Um, Ryan Kent can score 15 goals between now and the end of the season, as can Alfredo Morelos. We still have the measure of them. Um, we're, we're, in fact, by the way, that's something I would completely expect because this Rangers team have shown over time that when the, when the title is decided and the games are pressure-free, they go on a run. Um, and it's consistently been shown now under Gerard, Gio, and I fully expect that to be built. I do not want them to have that opportunity uh, because, quite frankly, they don't deserve it. And they've insulted our intelligence just a wee bit too much now. So um, that's, that's my say on things. Uh, to conclude this um, but we will be back uh, some point this week to preview that game um, obviously we're getting closer to the end of the season so we will have a few specials uh, kind of before pre-season kicks off we will be doing a few deep dives and one of the more interesting deep dives I think we, we will do is to discuss who should come in what positions that we should look to obviously recruit in um, and by the way look it's a very doom and gloom negative week again as a Rangers fan but for, for one shining like a positivity that I will spin on this is, listen, this is going to be a very exciting summer. Uh, make no doubt about that. Uh, mark my words on that, actually. Uh, John Bennett, he he will be ruthless and he will back Michael Beale to the point no Rangers manager's been back to this level um, since the days of Advocate. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go and spend 40, 50 million in a transfer window. Of course we're not. But it's going to be a modern day splurge like that, in my opinion. Because Bennett, uh, to Kenny's point, he's been made a fool of. He really has. And he is absolutely determined, not from a personal point of view to turn this around, but from more of a a club point of view. He wants, he demands, and he craves that Rangers are a winning team again. And he will do everything he possibly can to ensure that is going to happen. So, listen, it's no all doom and gloom. We have a very, very exciting summer ahead. It's going to be rumour mill after rumour mill. And as fans, we all love that. So um, let's just hope that the players that we bring in are going to be good enough. Um, all that remains for me to do before I thank the guys is obviously ask you guys to follow us, like us and subscribe to us and all of our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, TikTok. Um, we're on Amazon Music as well. Um, so first of all, Kenny, thanks very much, mate. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Andrew. I actually quite enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, yeah. It's good to it's good to um, get out in the open rather than keeping it in because um, when it gets pent up, it just builds up to a point where you just. Oh, no, I've been I've been like this for days, regardless. It's just I really enjoyed the pod. 
Um, and Andrew, thanks very much, mate. Of course. And uh, as always, I'd just like to say that if anyone does want to reach out to us with questions, comments, ideas for pods, or even if you want to come on a podcast, you can reach us at contact at Saturday at three dot co UK. And that's all letters with no numbers. But cheers, Chris, for hosting. And uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully the guys and uh, the four percent of our audience who are girls enjoyed this as well. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is actually a fact, by the way. Four percent of our audience is getting so far. The stats simply do not lie. <laughs> um, the, the KPI target for next season is to double that. So tell it. Girls, if you're listening, tell a friend to tell a friend. We want to get up to 8% come the start of next season. Um, aye. But listen, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, later on this week to preview the Aberdeen game. Cheers.